but they're not going to go after the continued uh, corruption because those are their sources. They depend on them for their for their daily and weekly articles. Some of them, uh, and we know this from some uh, cases that were brought in in overstock. Uh, some of them are bought off. Some uh, some of them are paid. People have uh, testified that they get they give money to certain uh, journalists. They're paid. Uh, some of them are just lazy or stupid. Hi everyone. Before we get started, I have to plug a few quick things. First of all, my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, is now available to order. You can read some chapter previews by following the link in the description below. Our sponsors, ExpressVPN, get 35% off 12 months of ExpressVPN and get 25% off podcast hosting with Podium. Finally, if you're watching this on YouTube, please go check out odyssey.com instead. We are hosting all our videos there. If you're a creator, you can move your videos across with one simple click and you can earn cryptocurrency simply by watching videos and use it to tip your favorite creators like myself. So please check that all out if you want to support the show. Anyway, here's the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of being able to interview Lucy Commissar, investigative journalist. Lucy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. So uh, we are here to talk all about GameStop and naked short selling and um, the entire saga that surrounded that. So uh, I wanted to start out and ask you about something that has been brought up a few times in some of the Ask Me Anythings about uh, GameStop. And it's, that is the death spiral deals and death spiral financing. Um, could you give me like a, a better understanding of what that is and what it entails? Mm hmm. Um, the name used by investment firms that offer this is convertible debentures or pipe, which means private investment in public equity. The targets are, uh, they would say clients, I would say targets, are generally small companies who need capital but aren't at the stage where they can get cash from stock sales or bank loans or bonds. And in one case, the investment firm says, we will lend you two and a half million dollars. That's the sum that was promised the company that was caught in this trap. It would be paid back in stock equivalent um, from, from two and a half million. The loan was two and a half million. They would pay back stock equivalent to three million. Uh, but at various dates, the investors would request conversions of uh, the, the debentures until the three million was paid back. The company hopes this money will help them grow and the stock price will grow up, will go up. And this makes this a very good deal. They don't know that some of the investment company uh, people uh, and the people they're working with are corrupt. Uh, now you have to know about naked short selling. Uh, naked short selling, uh, short selling is where uh, the uh, an investor sells a share he doesn't own, yes, this is allowed by the SEC and other countries, and must borrow or locate it in the stock of some other company that has that stock. Borrow means his broker uh, borrows it from another broker who takes it from a margin account uh, of, of a client who permits the stock to be loaned because they're not p paying for the whole amount of stock in cash. And uh, they get the uh, broker gets interest on the loan and sends the borrowed shares to the buyer, uh, to, to the seller who sell, sends them to the buyer. In, in two days, the short seller must pay back the loan. A locate means the broker knows where the stock can, stock can be obtained. This is usually fake, doesn't really know anything. And the seller must send the shares to the buyer in two days. But the naked short sellers never cover. They never send the shares to the buyers to begin with or after after the two days. And they increase the number of shares in the marketplace because the uh, the buyer who never got delivery uh, in, in the DTCC, which is the clearinghouse for shares, that person has gotten a digital entitlement. Well, the owner, of the, the real owner of the shares still has a digital entitlement. So you increase the number of shares in the market and that drives down the price. 
And when they are involved in death spiral financing, uh, that's what happens. So, but it's but it's it's deliberate to the point of real conspiracy. Uh, the naked short sellers knock down the share price. So by the time the conversions are required, each tranche will be paid back in many times more stock. So that if 3 million would have given, just take a number, the lenders a 10th of the company, by the time they're through, they'll own most of the company or maybe even push it to bankruptcy, which means they never have to cover the shorts, the naked shorts, because there are no more shares. Uh, so let me tell you about a particular case. Uh, Eagle Tech, based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, was started by Rod Young, who had developed the use of a single telephone line for one number, Follow Me Telephone Service. Now, it's not so surprising. At that time, 20 years ago, it didn't exist. He needed money to develop the invention, and he fell into a death spiral trap. He thought the deal was honest because it was sponsored by Solomon Smith Barney, then owned by Citigroup. Meetings were held at their offices. Uh, notices were sent out on small Solomon Smith Barney letterhead and in Solomon Smith Barney envelopes. The Solomon leader of the deal, John Dorowski, worked with a bunch of mafiosi, literally mobsters, who fronted for investors that were really offshore shells. Uh, the agreement that Eagle, Eagle Tech signed with Solomon banned naked short selling. But the chief mobster, involved in the deal, John Cerubo paid illegal commissions to some cooperating brokers to do just that, naked short sell, not cover. So, and then the investments didn't materialize or they were canceled out by the massive naked short selling. Uh, but, and, and other so-called uh, proper uh, companies were involved. Knight Securities, a broker dealer, facilitated a series of coordinated, synchronized short sales to drive down the price. Uh, in one case, a high of $13.25 to uh, $7.75 and, and giving uh, the shorts a profit of $5.50. So at a certain point, this kept happening. Eagle Tech finally uh, smelled a rat and refused any more conversions uh, that would transfer the company to the Solomon Smith Barney uh, co-conspirators. Now, the FBI, FBI was investigating some organized crime stock fraud. Uh, it busted 17 mob members in New Jersey, led by the crooks that ran the scheme against Eagle Tech in cooperation with Solomon Smith Barney. It never got near Solomon Smith Barney. In February 2005, the SEC brought a securities fraud case against Cerubo, a leader of the mob, and more than a dozen others. It said they uh, generated over $12.7 from the sale of stock. And Cerubo and the other mobsters would be banned from penny stock trading in order to pay back the ill-gotten gains. Now, Solomon Smith Barney was a member of the New York Stock Exchange, which is subject to oversight by the SEC. And the SEC and the Justice Department never got involved in looking into the role of Solomon. Uh, Eagle Tech's lawyers, uh, and Wes Christian, the main lawyer, told me, we contacted the SEC on that and got no response at all. Uh, he said it was gross negligence. I think it's more than negligence. I think it's corruption. So the court dismissed the Eagle Tech suit because it said, it lumped 29 defendants together and failed to identify which defendant made which statement, which I think on the face of it, when there's a conspiracy, it's, it's pretty outrageous. Um, then the SEC, th th this is the, the final, the, the coup de grace. The SEC filed suit against the victim, Eagle Tech, to deregister its shares because it couldn't afford several hundred thousand dollars to file audited financial reports. The delisting is like a bankruptcy. All the investors are wiped out. The naked shorters never have to cover. So the SEC figured what the mob started. It killed the company. There's a very similar story happened about the same time. Sedona was a software firm based in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. It was making relationship management software for companies. Again, this was two decades ago. There wasn't a lot of it around. It had some deals uh, working with IBM and other top, top line financial companies. It wanted to hire more staff for sales and marketing. 
So in this case, the uh, investment banker was uh, Ladenburg Thalman, which was considered a very high level uh, investment company. It was prominent. It was a member of the New York Stock Exchange since 1879. Its major investor was Carl Icahn. Uh, uh, from this company was um, a man named Michael uh, Vasinkovich. He was uh, soliciting Sedona's business, promising he could help finance the company growth. He could get Sedona, that's the 2.5 million, in a pipe deal, private investment in public equity. He was working with two Austrian brothers, the Badians, and they were introduced as investment advisors. They work through a network of offshore funds, advisors, directors, who seek out target companies. The investors, the shell companies in this case, were controlled by Herbert Batliner, who according to a 1999 German intelligence document, which I obtained, was in the business of laundering illicit funds. And the US prosecutors told a Colorado federal court in 1999, and this is public, Batliner had handled money for drug dealer Jorge Hugo Reyes Torres, then was uh, serving a prison sentence in Ecuador. So this, this fine group, uh, the Badians, through their Rhino investors, their shell company, pumped two and a half million into Sedona in 2000. And uh, they made a convertible debt offering, which would be converted uh, at various points. And the deal was written, the investors would not short sell the stock. But of course, that, that would be a lie uh, because short selling would push down the share price and they would get um, more shares for the three million. So it came time to convert uh, the shares. Uh, when the deal was signed in 2000, the stock was trading at $6 a share. They, uh, in a month, they pumped it up uh, to uh, 10.25 from six. Then a long slide. Every time the company put out good news, such as a relationship with IBM, should have made the stock go up a lot. Uh, there was a heavy sell through electronic communications networks that allow the seller to hide behind uh, the ECN. And in a month, the Confederates pushed down the stock to one dollar, one dollar and one cent. Now. When, when Andreas Badian learned the price of the stock had fallen below a dollar, he told the brokers at Westminster, a uh, fine New York uh, brokerage, according to tapes, which now became part of one of the legal cases, to, quote, keep selling and use unbridled levels of aggression because every dollar that you sell is a dollar in my pocket. And meanwhile, the phony clients were converting the shares to cash. And so they ended up, Sedona still owed 1.9 million after all the conversions. And uh, they were uh, deposited, the uh, the shares were potted, deposited into another fine firm, Westminster Securities in New York. And Pershing, a clearing firm for Westminster, shared office space with some of the body and funds. I'm trying to point out that like in the, the Eagle Tech case, you have some very grungy crooks, and you have some very fine Wall Street firms. Uh, Bodian directed Westminster to engage in manipulative short selling, and Pershing brokered the transaction. Another company, a market maker named Frankel, made fake book entries that uh, said it had bought the shares through a broker in Canada. And uh, so Sedona one day received an investigator's 330-page ring binder. There's an investigator, I think I know who it was, had been in looking into the, the, the this whole uh, special part of the naked short selling scams, the death spiral financing. He had an, an analyzed 60 companies destroyed by the Bodians and similar operators. And then in 2001, Bodian demanded another conversion. Sedona so, so decided it was dealing with crooks and it refused. It got an appointment with the SEC and the Justice Department, had meetings. Uh, the SEC found out that 82 companies uh, reporting investments by the same scammers of them, 81 lost almost 40% of market value in the first year. 
And Sedona lost a lot of business because if your stock is tanking, companies don't want to buy, buy software that you are not going to be around to service. So Sedona had to fire employees in sales and marketing. So following meetings uh, between Sedona uh, and the Justice Department and the SEC, the SEC in 03 filed a complaint against Bodian and his company for fraud and market manipulation. You know what the settlement was? It was $1 million. That was chump change. That was the cost of doing business. And they did not, ha did not have to admit or deny guilt. They were mass big time crooks. They got off. The Justice Department charged Bodian in a criminal case. He jumped bail and is a fugitive in Vienna. And then finally, the, the Justice Department just dropped its criminal case uh, against Andreas and it would not say why. So in, in May of 03, that's when Wes Christian got involved. He filed a civil suit uh, for Sedona against Ladenburg, which was the, the big guy, and Vasinkovich, Bodian, and some others. Uh, finally, the SEC filed a suit against Bodian, but not against Ladenburg and, uh, or against we Westminster or any of the other major brokers involved. And Wes Christian told me, the U.S. government chose to go after the low-hanging fruit, the Bodians. They had the clearing firm, the broker-dealers. They had it all, but they dropped it. The judge in New York sat on the cases for nearly a decade. She dismissed most of the Sedona defendants, including Bodian uh, and uh, uh, Vasinkovich, and the alleged co-conspirators, uh, Pershing, Westminster, Frankel, got a got a pass from the SEC and the Justice Department. Finally, uh, Wes Christian settled with Ladenburg Thalman. He can't indicate uh, the, 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 uh, not the money of the settlement, but obviously Ladenburg at a certain point decided it might not be good publicity for them. So Sedona is still in business. It now has a market cap of 1.9 million. The stock is trading at two cents. This is what death spiral financing does. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it sounds like such a predatory practice. It's it's really it's really difficult for me to try and like get my head around just just how this is allowed. Um, that's this is one of the things that I'm having the most trouble with at the minute with trying to write this story is that, and I, I mentioned this to Carl Hagberg is that when I try to try to try to say okay, and I explain this story to someone, they just go. That sounds like you're wrong. That can't be how it works. Like it can't be this corrupt, or it can't be this like openly. Um, no, Carl was uh, uh, unhappy with my use of the word fraudulent, <laughs> but that's what it looks like uh, just to someone who's who's only coming to this now. Um, and I know I'd plan to ask this later, but it just seems like the the best time to do it is like how how is this level of of corruption and, and conflict of interest possible <laughs> i don't understand how the the, the how a country set up on on checks and balances and and you know attempting to make sure no one group had too much power and obviously it's become corrupted but how did we get to the point where this level of of just really dangerous and and yeah, in my mind, fraudulent practice is, is accepted. I I think the problem is that the uh, big financial firms, Wall Street, uh, has a lot of control over the government. We have a system where there's a revolving door between Wall Street and the SEC, where, where people from Justice Department also then uh, go to the big law firms at, who have these uh, financial companies as their clients. So it's it's what you're suggesting. It's very corrupt. The system is corrupt. You you just have to know the details of the cases to know the system is corrupt. That, that there isn't there isn't a system of checks and balances. There's there's an, a system of of control by uh, corrupt entities who uh, are who pay off members of Congress. Look at campaign contributions. Uh, when I saw the the House hearing uh, into GameStop issues. It was uh, led by Maxine Waters, who's head of the House Financial Services Committee. I looked. I looked up who her donors were. Her big top donors were private equity funds, financial companies. That's who pays her. That's how she can stay 
in her seat. So of course she's not, she didn't, she wasn't going to talk about naked short selling. That was the first, furthest thing from her mind. So that, mm. that is the, that's the answer to your question. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned in uh, one of your ask me anything's forgive me I don't remember which one um, but you mentioned that the removal of glass steagall was was a big moment in in the sort of history of of, of the this sort of financial corruption um why why was that such a big moment like do you want do you want to like explain why that was the crucial moment yeah. that you've laid it out to be well after the 1929 stock market crash, uh, Glass-Steagall was part of legislation uh, uh, passed in uh, 1933. In the crash, people lost their savings when banks failed because the banks had used their money for the bank's own investments. So the Banking Act of 1933 separated commercial and investment banking. You couldn't take depositors' money for your own investments. But U.S. President Bill Clinton and his Treasury Secretary, Robert Rubin, took their orders from Wall Street. Rubin, in fact, had worked for nearly three decades for Goldman Sachs, and they got a compliant Congress, many dependent on Wall Street campaign contributions. So in 1999, they repealed Glass-Steagall, opening the way for the crooks to have their way. So bank holding companies uh, previously uh, could not engage in activities such as insurance and investment banking, now they could. Well, th this helped them a lot. And uh, the six biggest banks went from controlling 15% of the GDP in the US to 65%, because now they were not just banks, they were investment companies. There were giant mergers, uh, such as a $33 billion deal between JP Morgan and Chase Manhattan the next year. Uh, the Bank of America took over two financial companies, Countrywide Financial Services and Merrill Lynch. Both were in difficulty. It couldn't have done that before. So we got the, a massive uh, agglomeration uh, in the financial system to make these uh, institutions much more powerful. Joseph Stieglitz, uh, con the economist Joseph Stieglitz, said, bringing investment and commercial banks together the investment bank culture came out on top, and we know what the culture is. There was a demand for the kind of high returns that could be obtained only through high leverage and big risk-taking, and that led to the 2008 crash. And that's why uh, there's, still a, there's still a danger, because uh, the banks where people put their money are still doing risky investments. Yeah, it's uh, sometimes when I hear that specific re regulations were removed, um, not even specifically Glass-Steagall, but I just, I get this, this feeling. It's like, how, who, who voted this through and thought this was just a good idea? Apart, <laughs> but um, dark pool trading has, has been discussed a lot on, on Reddit, on, on Superstonk, uh, and quite widely. And uh, it's been a difficult concept for me to get my head around. But uh, essentially, now you can you can correct me if this is a, a wrong understanding of it. Is is just another exchange that is less visible and a way for hedge funds to make their activity maybe not unknown, but just not as obvious to to the market as a whole. Um. So, and I think you mentioned in your AMA that it's got to something like 40% of all trades made in the market today are done through dark pools. And like, and now that that seems like a lot. Um, how, how have we got to that point where almost half of the trades are, are taking place off market? Thanks and, so and much how for is that sort of If you enjoyed the show, to please subscribe, such a follow me on Twitter, up or now. sign up to our mailing list. Thanks a lot to our sponsor, ExpressVPN, the number one most trusted VPN. Get lightning fast connectivity, with servers in 160 locations across 94 countries. Keep your browsing privacy safe with ExpressVPN and get a 35% discount on 12 months of ExpressVPN when you follow the link in the description below. Don't forget my book is now out and available to order on Amazon and on bookshop.org. That's Brexit, the Establishment Civil War. And most importantly, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.
The NSCC, which is the National Securities Clearing Corporation, is to, supposed to settle the trades, which means moving the digital entitlements between the buyers and sellers brokers. However, since um, the, the 1990s, dark pools have enhanced the system of X-clearing. X-clearing is avoiding going through the DTCC. It, it could be done easily with a, a very big broker such as Goldman or, or Morgan Stanley because they have so many clients that they may have one client buying something and the other client wanting to sell something and they can just do the settlement just inside. They never have to go to the DTCC. X-clearing means clearing outside uh, the normal clearing process. Now, dark pools was an enhancement of that. They are markets run by private firms or banks, prime brokers. They trade outside the stock exchanges and they're hidden from most investors. They're not exchanges, but they are exchanges. Their internal crossing, X-clearing, uh, uh, moving the stocks away from going through the exchanges, which are public. And they're used by clients such as hedge funds to buy and sell large blocks of shares in anonymity. The idea was we don't want to move the public price of a stock on an exchange uh, because they'll be copycatting because maybe they need to buy, uh, a buyer needs to buy a huge amount and can't get it all from one source so the broker will buy part of it, and, and if it's on the exchange that's open, everybody will see this huge amount has just been bought, therefore other people are going to buy it, therefore the stock price will go up, and so the big guy who wants to buy the rest of the shares is going to pay more. So that was the reason suppose, the reason for the dark pools. Uh, the, the large traders could act, act secretly, they wouldn't inform the trading public that they're looking to buy or sell some shares and the trades were confidential. In theory, neither side knew the party on the other side. Now, the dark pool operators knew both sides, and if they were uh, trading on their own account, uh, they could use that information. And so that, that's what officially dark, uh, dark pools were about. Now, 40% of shares go X-clearing. Uh, most of them uh, it's hard really to tell, you know, because, you know, you, everything is so secret, but most of them seems mm -hmm. to be uh, through the dark pools and they don't go through the DTCC. So the t the prime brokers move them between their own clients or through companies they own because the, the big trade, the big prime brokers, they own the dark pools. And so it's not some unlit building where people exchange uh, shares, uh, you know, I'll give you this, you give me that. And, you know, they, they, they wear... Uh, uh, Oops. they have secret handshakes. It's all done by computer, <laughs> but it evades the DTCC. So well, that's the uh, point, they I also, guess. they evade the more uh, stringent post-trade reporting. Uh, it's hard for regulators to look at specific trades. So a lot of the trades go below the radar. They may be netting a lot, never reporting at all. That means uh, I sold this much and I bought this much, therefore there's zero. So they don't report anything. Zero is, is net, it's netted to zero. So if you put the dark pools with the, the uh, financial uh, company broker dealers uh, X clearing, it really increases the possibility for concealing illegal trading activities and market manipulation. Why are they secret? The prime brokers want it that way. It's a way to do scam trading without being called to account, except uh, now, uh, how did this get get out of jail card free, get written into the SEC rules? And uh, the key scam trading they do is through naked shorting because the SEC regs show, show for short, the regulation on naked short selling went into effect in 2005. It applies only to shares that settle through the DTCC. The rec show kept saying, the SEC kept saying, because X clearing is so rare. So if a company's trades fail because the shorts were never covered, they don't fail if they weren't sent to the DTCC. So the, the dark pools uh, it, uh, that bypass the DTCC means there's no way for the DTCC to know if trades were really completed, if shares were delivered, if shares are processed X-clearing. They would only be known to the trading parties. 
it's an extra layer of secrecy because this is very helpful. Uh, I said before that the D, the vault, the DTC, uh, has uh, in its records the entitlements, the shares of each uh, prime broker that the prime broker is keeping for its clients. Well, we have found out uh, in, in comparing uh, uh, claimed shares to shares in the DTC, there's a huge amount of shares that really don't exist. That's why they can't be in the DTC, because you can only have real shares where you've got the, a real entitlement, and the, the dark pools will cover up the fact that a lot of the shares being moved around are counterfeit. Uh, that's why there's overvoting. That's why uh, uh, companies like uh, Taser, the, the stun gun company, found they, they had a vote where they had 60,000 shares. There were 60 million, 60 million shares. There were 80 million votes. Those 80 million shares cannot be in the DTC because they're not real shares. So they stay in the dark uh, pools. They're a license to naked short, which means a license to see it, steal. Uh, and the buyers don't know about this. The other thing they lose is uh, they have digital entitlements from their broker. But if you don't have real shares, you can't uh, get the uh, cheaper capital gains tax rates, and you cannot vote. But the brokers don't tell their clients that. Uh, very often, they even send them proxies, but then they don't file them uh, with, with the uh, with the company or with the proxy uh, handler because they won't be accepted, but they, they don't want their clients to know. And what they do is um, they send the clients payments, which are called in lieu of dividends. Probably if you got, if you got a check or you got an announcement, you got this money, you don't think about it. it re it's because in lieu of dividends, they're not entitled to real dividends because they don't have real shares. Now, to get back to GameStop, the dock pools played a role in the GameStop manipulation. 25% of the GME float is traded over the count, counter compared to less than 1% for major stocks. Compare that. 25% compared to 1%? Why would they do that? Uh, the total GME volume traded off exchange skyrocketed in January. There was a spike in dark pool trades. Uh, especially the, the last week when the short squeeze uh, was on and then it was shut down, the big investors who trade in dark pools increased their volume till that week when the price dropped. And uh, in, in uh, February, over 500% uh, over of the float, and this is amazing, it could be like that, uh, was traded off exchange in dark pools. Massive repeat high frequency trades is is one of the ways that happens. You know, if you're doing a high frequency trade, you are not borrowing or locating a share. It happens in, in nanoseconds. Then uh, the, 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 the GameStop over the count, OTC over the counter, which means all of the things that don't go through the DTCC, the volume as the percentage of the float was over 200 times higher than the average volume as a as a percentage of the float for uh, uh, Dow stocks. And each, each time uh, they, they took another measure, uh, uh, for instance, the average over-the-counter trading for Dow 30 in February was 2.8% as a percentage of float, and it was 234% for GameStop. So you know something very crooked is happening there. The other thing that happened that was really interesting with GameStop is uh, the average trade size was always very large. That was the purpose of the dark pools. Well, when they uh, got into the manipulation, the average size decreased to less than 50 shares per trade. What major hedge fund is buying shares at 50 shares per trade? And it, it, it went down as far as one share per trade. Uh, so this was uh, meant to uh, through high-frequency trading to manipulate the market. And that is what has happened with uh, dark pools. They are they're another uh, mechanism to manipulate and cheat. Hmm. Now, Lucy, one of the things I absolutely love about you and about watching your interviews and, and your AMAs is your fearlessness to just say what you believe and what you see. Um, uh, there's not many journalists would uh, go as far as to call uh, a lot of what you've said there a license to steal 
Um, but, it is. Uh, yeah, it is. I, I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm. 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 I'm truly admiring your your willingness to come out and say it because. Uh, yeah, the, the the veiled language. That well, you know, the reason often, uh, mainstream yeah. journalists don't say these things for a number of reasons. Uh, one is their sources are the people that I'm talking about. And so they can't call somebody a crook. Uh, they can they can write if there has been an SEC or Justice Department enforcement, they can do a story about that. They won't follow it up much, but they'll they'll say this happened. They, they, this company was fined and full stop. But they're not going to go after the continued uh, corruption because those are their sources. They depend on them for their for their daily and weekly articles. Some of them, uh, and we know this from some uh, cases that were brought in in overstock. Uh, some of them are bought off. Some uh, some of them are paid. People have uh, testified that they get they give money to certain uh, journalists. They're paid. Hmm. Uh, some of them are just lazy or stupid. Sorry. It takes a lot of work to do this. It's so much easier to, to rewrite a press release, which I think is what most of them do. So if you're lazy or stupid and uh, you don't want to make waves, you don't talk about these things. Uh, it's only because of the massive um, spike in the market with GameStop that anybody is even talking about this, even though some of the tactics have been used for years. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's one of the things that's really stunning about the about trying to learn about what's happening here is that at the beginning, I didn't believe that this has happened in any other place, really. I, I didn't think that this had, had gone on in, in any other situation. I was like, well, you know, something like this couldn't have happened before because something would have been done about it. <laughs> Perhaps that was my, that was the naive January version of myself. <laughs> But uh, there's one thing I wanted to, to get into there, actually, that you, you mentioned earlier, early on in that answer, is that uh, because uh, when when shares are settled or traded off of the DTCC, that means that they're not counted towards failure to delivers. Does that mean that the failure to deliver rate could actually theoretically be much higher mm -hmm. than what we are seeing yeah. officially? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They keep all That's the numbers uh, in their books. And, you know, they have the customers on both sides. They have the short sellers and they have the buyers who don't realize they didn't get anything. And mm. th that's why they're sending them uh, dividends in lieu of dividends. So they know that you wouldn't be sending okay. your clients money in lieu of dividends if they had the real stock. Mm. Do you think there is a way to find out? how many synthetic shares actually exist the there are uh the agencies the sec the dtcc uh they they could find out uh if they wanted to uh there there is various uh avenues of reporting that uh the companies have to do but for example when when they come out with their numbers about shorts they don't mm -hmm. say what what uh, broker is responsible for those shorts. They just say there were these many shorts in this stock. So they'll mention GameStop, but they won't mention who shorted and who failed. And they know, they will know who failed because they will they will know what is claimed and, and what is real. They don't want to do that. You see, the DTCC, this is a key point, which I didn't mention, is owned by the broker dealers. They are on the board. They literally own the DTCC. And they not so literally, but actually own the SEC because of the, the revolving door. But they literally own the DTCC. So uh, why, why, would they, uh, why would the DTCC tell the names of their owners who are involved in naked short selling, who are, who are putting out, uh, sending shares to uh, clients when they know they don't exist? Because they know what they have in their vault. They know what they got if they did trades with uh, uh, other uh, prime dealers, each for their own clients. They have all those numbers. They have to have all those numbers. Uh, but uh, we, are, we are run by systems that don't want the truth to get out because you know they're owned by the miscreants. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of concerning. I mean, I'm not particularly expecting them to come forward with the numbers, but I was just curious as if there would be a, a mechanism if, you know, we just decided to storm in and go, well, right, there, there are the various there, there, there are various ways that, for example, uh, one way that is part of this is, and, and this was attempted uh, in about 2009 by uh, Senator uh, uh, Kaufman, uh, who replaced Biden when Biden went to be vice president with Obama uh, his his Delaware seat was was uh, open so Ted Kaufman who had been his chief of staff was named to the seat and he said he was not going to run the next year for re-election he was just going to do it for one year so instead of spending all his time raising money he went to work in this area and what he wanted to do and proposed it there be a hard locate what that means is if you're doing naked short selling, you must locate the stock, uh, the share that you're borrowing, and each share will have an identifying number so that nobody can borrow the same share twice or say they have located that share twice, three times, 10 times, and uh, the SEC knocked it down. They did not want that. Uh, obviously, uh, if Gary Gensler, the new SEC chair, is serious, that's the first thing he has to do. Also interesting is that Ted Kaufman was uh, the leader of the Biden transition team, and he's still very close to Biden. I wonder if he is talking to him about this, uh, if Biden is interested in uh, boosting the economy. One way to do it is is to stop this cheating. So there are mechanisms out there that, that could be used and really under with, with a system of everything being computerized, it's not so hard, but it's it's a question of the will and the will is not there. Look, this is like asking Al Capone to set up an agency to uh, deal with tax cheating. And he's in charge of the agency. Is he's going to do a wonderful bang up job? Uh, isn't Al Capone going to do that? Well, that's what we have now. Yeah, yeah, Pablo Escobar in charge of the drug smuggling laws. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I loved I loved your analogy when you used that before. Um, so, one of the things that seems to be very prevalent to me is that it's not just in America; it's across the, uh, much of the developed world. the The financial sector over the past thirty to forty years has grown increasingly powerful and has captured essentially a lot of the regulators um and quite a lot of the the major parties um especially in in the us and britain where i'm like most familiar with the situations now how concerned are you with this capture because for me this seems to be like a really crucial issue that no one really addresses what the the consequences of it are because if if our regulators are completely bought by the people they're meant to be regulating, we don't like the system doesn't work then. And, and no one seems to, to say that. Like, I'm, is that a bit of like a bit too much? Like the end is near doomsday sort of person or like how concerned are there you? Been about crashes. This? There were crashes. There was the 29 crash and the 08 crash. And um, there was the flash crash, <laughs> plenty of crashes. It's, it's, it's built into the system. I don't know what happens in every other country. I know that in South Korea, uh, there is a big regulatory push against naked short selling, and they are probably doing more than the Americans. But uh, I see all the time that they are going after uh, anybody who might be suspected of naked short selling. And they're really very tough on it. Uh, in take a place, uh, take the UK. On the other hand, the UK is. Uh, very open to all kinds of financial shenanigans. Uh, one interesting uh, story is, and I hope some UK reporters will take this up, uh, at the time of the collapse of Lehman Brothers, uh, the, Lehman was doing something called rehypothecation. That means you can lend out the shares in margin accounts. But it m means also, um, what happened is other people who got the loan would then lend them out and would then lend them out again. So you had a daisy chain, but there were still digital entitlements for each of them. In the US, there's a rule you could lend out only 140% of the real shares that you have, which I think on the face of it is absurd. In the UK, 
there is no limit at all. And these were being used for, to cover shorts. That's why it's relevant here. They would lend out a share to some uh, broker, prime broker, who would use it to cover shorts. But uh, but maybe those shares had also been rehypothecated to another prime broker who would use it to cover shorts. Well, when uh, Lehman collapsed in 2008, uh, there were some uh, clients, American clients, who wanted their shares back. They didn't know where they, they couldn't get them. I spoke to a lawyer for a client who said, my client wanted the shares back and was told they had been rehypothecated to the UK. And I don't know if they ever got them back, but when you lend and lend and lend and, uh, at, a, at a certain point, who is the real owner of these shares that have been lent out to cover shorts? She told me that she went to a meeting in London of uh, big brokers and, and, and officials, other people that would have been concerned with this issue. And she said, well, maybe we should do what the Americans do and have a 140% limit on what you can repothecate if you have these shares in your accounts. And they said, oh, no, no, no. We are making too much money lending these shares out multiple times. And so the UK still have has this uh, smoke and mirrors uh, system of rehypothecation. Now, this is the kind of thing where when the music stops and everybody tries to sit down, somebody doesn't have a chair. And that, that's the problem. These things go on and on and on until there's some crisis and then the music stops. And that could happen in some of, some of these other countries. And of course, these uh, big brokers and hedge funds all have uh, subsidiaries in many, many countries, especially the banks have subsidiaries in many and a lot of offshore subsidiaries. So you don't really know what's going on there, where they are moving shares, uh, where how they're dealing with the loans. You know, the loans, the stock loans, it's the major part. People don't know this. It's the major part of the profits of the big uh, the prime brokers. I've seen the number 75%. It's massive, massive. Yeah, hang on, so hang, on hang on, hang on, that. hang on. Let me just, let me just correct, like make sure I've got this right. You're saying that 75% of the profits of big, uh, big institutions in some cases come simply from loaning shares out that are on their books. This was from uh, uh, investigation, the, um, the discovery in uh, Goldman Sachs uh, the case, the overstock case against Goldman and Merrill, and I talked to uh, one of the uh, investigators who had worked with Patrick Byrne on on this case, uh, and he said they were astonished. He said, "I thought you know must be a big number. This may be twenty percent." In discovery, he said we were astonished to find that they were getting seventy five percent of their profits from uh, stock loans. Now, two things about that. One is, uh, and there have there have been cases on this. In some cases, they have made loans to uh, to to uh, brokers or to to clients um, to brokers on behalf of clients who were shorting and needed shares to cover the short, and they never sent any share. They charge them, and sometimes for hard to borrow, like Overstock, you go to fifty percent of the cost of the share. It was very very high. Uh, and they, there was a suit by a company called ETG, ele the Electronic Trading Group, and they they sued all the major, the prime brokers, and they said, uh, we have been paying you to get shares to cover shorts, and we believe you are not uh, pr providing real shares. And the problem at that time, and probably still the case, uh, they lost in the lower court because the court said, well, the federal court, we don't have jurisdiction. The SEC has jurisdiction over this. You have to go to the SEC with your complaint. Went to the uh, the next court, the appeals court, and they said the same thing. And it went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court uh, declined to take the case. So here we got the fox guarding the hen house, and one of the hens is complaining, the fox is out to kill us. And the farmer says, I'm sorry. The fox is in charge of the hen house, and nothing I can do about it. That's what happened there. So in many cases, if you look at the numbers uh, at, at the short interest, those are shares not yet 
uh, covered, and that was true for GameStop. A huge number of shares, the short interest meaning shares not yet covered, they couldn't cover them because they said they had, they said they were lending out shares to the short sellers, but they didn't have real shares. They didn't have anything. It was fake. The, either the, the real shares to send them uh, that they were borrowing or the locates. It was all fake. And the reason is they get a lot of money for these non-existent shares that they are supposedly lending out. That's the dirty little secret of why the naked short selling is so central to what the, the prime brokers and big banks, was the, because they're now connected, what they are doing. You, you're you're kind of blowing my mind a little bit here. I, I mean, I think you've understated that there is not a little secret. This is a huge fucking secret. Um, like, like, this is insane. Like, I mean, I knew it was corrupt, but wow. it's It blows mm-hmm. my mind when you think, because they're just... Like, what you're describing there, like, and again, correct me if I've, I've misconstrued this, is that the, the, a, a vast portion of the profits of this, you know, of the apparently very lucrative financial industry in some parts uh, is is just coming from selling things that don't exist. Yes. Yeah. It's called fraud. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that's if you did this in any other world, this would you you would be in jail like that. Like by the end of the week, if I sold a car that didn't exist, I would be in a police station by the end of the week <laughs> it's so crazy um so uh i i'm aware we're, we're coming to the end of our time here so um i'll kind of wrap these these last two questions into one so what do you think is going to be the result of this um is is this going to be like a watershed moment and and we're going to get a lot of um uh, regulations put in place there's going to be some sort of movement from from congress or or is, do you think that's even possible whilst wall street has this the connections and the the financial clout to continue to get politicians re-elected while they still have that influence is it possible to to regulate them well right now we have a consciousness raising moment uh uh pulled together by uh investors uh acting through Wall Street bets and, and, and super stonk, but the corporate interests control the system and they have ignored these kinds of public movements before. Uh, people can see this video and they can see the super stonk videos, but the mass of the masses of the public read the corporate media and they don't write these things. Now the House and Senate Finance Committees held special hearings alleged, allegedly as the result of the GameStop events, they utterly ignored the role of naked short selling. Uh, The regulators were called to testify, testify, the heads of the SEC, the DTCC, FINRA, that's the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, which is the broker's self-regulator, except they're all the broker's self-regulators. They did not mention the words naked short selling at all. So uh, until there is a much more uh, raise, much more of a raised consciousness, uh, and un, until now, now they're moving into AMC and another stock, uh, an entertainment movie theater stock. Uh, maybe this will happen on on others. It, it maybe it has to reach some critical mass for people to be aware, for members of Congress to be aware, because I haven't seen anybody in Congress, uh, including the so-called good guys talking about this. I'm waiting for Elizabeth Warren to talk about this. She has talked a lot about problems of the financial system and and financial organizations such as the prime brokers. I haven't heard her speak about naked short selling. Haven't heard Bernie Sanders speak about it. So we have to wait for that. And I don't know what it's going to take uh, to push that. Another crash, uh, like the 08 crash. I I don't know about that. Uh, But we just have to wait. It's very hard to predict. So many things have happened, such as the 08 crash. You would have thought that would have brought about some changes. We we had the Dodd-Frank law, which supposedly had rules uh, uh, for, for example, for more transparency. It or that was that was in about uh, in 2010, the Dodd-Frank law uh, ordered the SEC to come up with a, a system for more transparency. It's 11 years later. They have done nothing. 
nothing. And nobody in Congress, including the, all the people that voted for this legislation, have brought them to account. So that's the, the problem is, when does it hurt enough? And when does it even hurt some of the, the more uh, important people? Because remember, a lot of the stocks are, are owned by the very wealthy. They're also owned by uh, pension funds, w waiting for the people who, who were hurt. Uh, and But right now, I, do, I don't see it happening. There's no transparency in short selling and no transparency in stock lending. That's the, the SEC was ordered to do that, and it has not done that. And, and those are the key issues. Mm. Well, I mean, uh, all that all of us can hope is that this is the start of some sort of moment or watershed or catalyst for... Um, yeah, trying to clean up the system. So, uh, Lucy, um, I want to thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I want to leave everyone with a quote that you read, uh, I think, in the the a uh, AMA you did about the SEC. I think it went, uh, he who sells what isn't hisn must buy it back or go to prison, which uh, keeps running around my head. I love it so much. And I wish all that SEC was... regulations rhymed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, that wasn't, you know, that that's from the stock market crash of, of 29. And it, mm. it it supposedly was said by somebody, but it may be apocryphal. But that, but it but it goes goes back to that because the stock market crash was caused in large part by naked short selling. We, we go full we go full circle. Uh, watering the stock meant that you printed up because then it was printing. There were no computers. Uh, uh, the, the crooks printed up shares of stock, uh, forged shares of stock, and sold them because when you got stock, what you really got was a piece of paper. That was your share of the stock. That was your that was that was legal tender, and they printed hmm. them up, and they printed up more than really existed, and that was called watering the stock. And people, some people went to jail for that, and that's why this meme came out. But it, watering the stock is naked short selling. And if that happened in 1929, and now it's, it's how many years later? It's, it's uh, 90, 100? Well, 90 years 92. later, I guess. It's, it's a long time, and it, the problem still hasn't been solved. What happened at that time when uh, Roosevelt uh, established the uh, SEC, it was through the legislation of 1933, 34, uh, he put in charge Joseph Kennedy, that was the father of John and Jack. He was a crook. He made his money through, uh, in prohibition through uh, rum running. And then he used it afterwards in the stock market. He was a crook. Uh, Roosevelt knew he was a crook, but he thought, well, he knows who the bad guys are. He knows how it's done. So he, he's, he's the guy put in charge of the SEC. Well, for about five years, uh, things got a little bit better. Some things were cleaned up, but just then it just went right back to where it was before. And it's been dirty ever since. Now with computers, they are more sophisticated in how dirty they can be. Naked short selling is, is facilitated. You can do much more naked short selling by moving uh, entitlements on computer than having some uh, messengers take uh, pieces of paper that are stocks, fake stocks around to, between one broker and another. That really tamps down the crookedness. Now we have a, a great, uh, greatly facilitated crookedness, but, it, but it's on the same, same order. And you would have thought if they realized that watering the stock caused the stock market crash, they would have done something about it, except that they are the crooks. And that's how they make their money. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, 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 the perfect note on which to leave this. Um, so yeah, Lucy, thank you so much for your time. It's been a, an absolute pleasure. I would love to have you back at some point to talk more about your experience in the offshore world and your book once it comes out, because um, I'm sure that will be fascinating. So uh, yeah, thank you very yeah. much. And for people that are watching, if they want to follow this more, um, sign up to my Twitter, which is at Lucy Commissar because a lot of this information gets gets put on Twitter and on my website, which you can find through the Twitter. Lovely. Um, links for everything will be in the description below. So anyone wants to find more of Lucy's work, I will put lots of stuff down there. So uh, yeah, thanks very much. Thank you. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. 
If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, follow me on Twitter, or sign up to our mailing list. Thanks a lot to our sponsor, ExpressVPN, the number one most trusted VPN. Get lightning fast connectivity with servers in 160 locations across 94 countries. Keep your browsing privacy safe with ExpressVPN and get a 35% discount on 12 months of ExpressVPN when you follow the link in the description below. Don't forget my book is now out and available to order on Amazon and on bookshop.org. That's Brexit, the Establishment Civil War. And most importantly, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 